0: In today's special episode, Patrick and Cyprian speak to Dr. Deborah Barabiches and Dr. Pekka Persola from VTT Finland to celebrate their November 30th announcement of their development of a 5-qubit quantum computer. Topics covered include the advantages of superconducting technology, the competitive angle a 5-qubit quantum computer will give them, and what advancements this will help them make in quantum computing. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Hey, Cyprian, how are you doing today? Hi, Patrick, doing very well. Looking forward for another great episode of Entangled Things.
1: Well, this is actually a special episode. We normally release an episode every two weeks that keeps you and I safe and sane, Uh, but we're actually going to insert this because it's such amazing news. And so we're joined by Deborah and Pekka from VTT in Finland, and they have an amazing announcement, literally amazing. Uh, so if you guys could tell us about yourselves and, and kind of explain what VTT is, that would be great.
2: Sure. Uh, thank you. So my name is Deborah Bereviches. I'm originally from Mexico, and I did my PhD uh, at Stanford University in a condensed matter. It's called so everything we can see and touch and, and, seen in the universe, nothing too small, nothing too large like astrophysics. And then I proceeded to do two postdoctoral fellowships in applied math and applied physics at New York University's Courant Institute and at Columbia University's applied uh, physics department. So I I, I have a strong academic background, but I actually uh, am more well known, I think, for my science communication, which has started about 15 years ago. And so besides, my career in physics, I really am very passionate about explaining uh, quantum physics and all kinds of complex and obscure concepts in a fun, uh, concise, and clear ways. And so that's what I'm most proud of. And now I'm here in Finland and I'm super happy to have joined VTT as a lead scientist in the microelectronics and quantum computing group.
1: Awesome. And Pekka?
3: Yes, thank you, Patrick. Uh, my name is Pekka Pursula. I'm, I'm the research manager for VTT microelectronics and quantum technologies. And uh, my background is in physics, too, as as with Deborah. But uh, I actually have done most of my research in instrumentation and, and uh, millimeter wave technologies but actually that suits quite well to quantum technologies because for quantum computers you need these millimeter wave and, and RF technologies and instrumentation to actually run the things.
1: And so you guys both work for VTT, very high powered organization. Oh. And um if if I may blurt out the news, you guys developed a quantum computer. You're in the you're in the game. You're 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 mm-hmm. playing with the big big mm-hmm. big dogs. Um, so you guys have released a five, or uh, developed a five qubit quantum computer, and so Pekka, my first question is for you: What technology did you pick, and why?
3: Uh, uh, thanks, Patrick. Uh, indeed, we had a great announcement this week, just a few days ago, a five qubit uh, quantum computer in Finland, the first one, and uh, we we picked uh, superconducting qubit technology for for this device, and I think that was a very natural. Choice for us because uh, in Finland actually we have more than fifty years of experience in, in you know re- research tradition and uh, on superconducting devices and uh, at VTT we we are we have a great uh, fabrication facility and we have been fabricating these superconducting devices since the nineties actually on a commercial basis so it was a natural choice for us to go for the superconducting.
1: Well that's good. So. So Deborah, superconducting, you're in good company, Um, IBM, a lot of the big players, but there's also Honeywell doing ION, Trapped ION. Why was superconducting um, the best choice for you guys and and what are the advantages that you see?
2: Yeah, thanks for the question, uh, Patrick. For sure, there are... Various types of platforms, uh, in which you can develop a quantum computer. You mentioned an ion trap. Uh, it's usually, uh, run at room temperature with lasers. Uh, you have also what's called a, a NV. Um, which means a nit- nitrogen, uh, vacancy in a crystal, in some sort of diamond or something, which can, uh, that defect, uh, in a perfect lattice of a crystal, like a, a diamond, for example, can be considered an actual qubit because it's that little defect will sort of be able to trap an electron there. And so that's another way of creating uh, a qubit. And then the one that I think uh, is gaining more popularity with IBM and Google, like you mentioned, D-Wave, uh, which provides uh, the computers for, for Google, the quantum computers, uh, is, is getting a lot of traction because, you know, it, it's just something that we're very familiar with, I think. And just like Pekka said, uh, since the 80s, Finland has been uh, quite successful in the research uh, to create superconducting circuits and printing circuits. They have a very large clean room facility mm. that, uh, it, you know, you, you see the beautiful processes to print and edge circuits in, in into these uh, silicon wafers. And, and, and that's what things. we know.
1: That's what we've been doing with classical computers. That seems to be a really good way to, like, make sure that we can learn from what we brought forward
2: control things more so yeah I mean it's it's obviously there are differences from classical but you know they they, they do have advantages the qubits in in that are a form of superconducting materials have faster operation time and this is very important because as we know we're going to have millions of operations at one point in an algorithm, so the faster they operate, the better. The mm. little disadvantage there is that their memory, uh, meaning how how long the they, the coherence time the particle exactly stays in that state, is rather quick, and so that's a challenge. But the technology uh, is really something, like I said, that we've been uh, doing for years, and we can take advantage of. It also offers a, a gate operation uh, that. Uh, that gives us a great deal of control. It, you can read the qubit states, you can store operations. Uh, it can actually be the sort of make or break uh, method to have a quantum computer that lasts for a long time, that's not constantly changing. Exactly. And so I, I, I think it's it's quite advantageous to be in the supercomputer, I'm sorry, superconducting quantum <laughs> computer business. I, I
0: have to say, as as a European, that I'm proud that we're having this discussion. Uh, Patrick is an American, right? So we've been talking a lot about. Do you need schools. me to hang up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of the the big companies, mostly U.S., China, right? Uh, this news is was was just amazing, and and I can't tell you how 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 big this is. I think for for the whole Europe. So, uh, Becca, uh, what are you? doing or planning to do with 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 the quantum computer like where are what are some of the core interests where where do you see this yeah. uh, uh moving to
3: yeah thanks Cyprian uh, for the question so yes of course now we we are you know in the us european comparison i have to say that we are, we are at the 5 qubits now so so the quantum computer that we we just announced it's it's not big enough for for solving uh, uh, let 's say real real life problems yet, so what we are really into now is is uh into learning more so this will be the first step of of uh, quantum computing and quantum computers in finland uh, and uh, the, really the goal with this device is to learn more and uh we as as VTT uh, we are a state owned research organization but then we we position ourselves you know between the basic research that is done in the universities and then the uh, uh let's say very uh, r and d like like a you know productization and and uh, uh, industrial r and d in in the companies so we are in there between we want to take the technologies from the university labs and uh, make them make applied research, and bring those technologies into use in the industries. And this is what we want to do also in quantum computing. So with this five qubit device, we will use it for learning, to learn more at VTT and in the universities, and to uh, build bigger quantum computers. And then we will want to learn to build uh, efficient algorithms on top of that and then finally bringing these together we want to bring all what we have learned into the industry and make use of quantum computing and and of course we want to do a lot of this in finland and help the finnish industry but you know we are we are a small country we cannot do this alone so of course we want to work with the, everybody in europe and and why not globally also on these topics
0: no, so as I, s- it uh... Uh, I just wanted to add one thing Patrick. Sure. I seems this this is kind of becoming a postulate on what will your first quantum computer do will help building the second one, right? <laughs> yeah.
3: But you know this this follows completely what's happening in the in the micro circuits industry. So traditional computers and processes you use the latest version of, of what you currently have on a processor to design the next generation of processors, so this will just follow the same line in the quantum computing side too.
1: Well, that sets up our next question, which is Deborah, what what's the competitive angle in quantum computing here? What the Pekka talked about bringing it to the next level is the next level to chain together five qubit quantum silicas and then mm. go to a ten or a twenty. How's your development going to continue?
2: Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I want to say that uh, only people in Finland who think a minus eight or minus 10 degrees Celsius uh, <laughs> weather is not too cold, which I was actually told yesterday as I attended an event. It's actually uh, warm, right? <laughs> Outside, It was an mm-hmm. event taking place outdoors in a minus eight degree Celsius weather. And I I wasn't dressed appropriately. So I, I turned to, the, to a woman next to me and I said, I got to go home because this is just too cold for me. She said, this is not even cold. So <laughs> it's very appropriate. I think that uh, Finland is uh, a country developing uh, things in such freezing temperature because you got to understand, you know, these uh, superconducting qubits live uh, in in a temperature of like mine almost minus three hundred. So degrees you just Celsius. run them in the
1: park.
0: You don't have exactly, to refrigerate so, them at all. <laughs> uh,
2: you know these people can just do their experiments in the park here. Yeah,
0: they, they are Patrick. They are called naturally occurring dilution frigid. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, you know, going back to your question, our competitive advantage. I mean, you, if you join any podcast about quantum co- computing, you're going to hear IBM talking about hundreds of qubits, even thousands of qubits, hundreds of thousands of qubits. And, you know, of course, uh, we're not going to be a big player that's going to compete with those very large, very well funded companies. So we have to find our competitive angle. And we do know that that is our strong and an excellent, uh, excellent experience with, with hardware. We, we do have a software team for sure, but our facilities and our great experience creating hardware, uh, tracks, you know, 30 years of incredible, uh, production facilities, we are also very happy to work with IQM, uh, who is a leader in quantum computing, and they are the ones providing the full software stack at this point. So we're collaborating with them. And, you know, if a client, an end user wants to work with us, then we would bring IQM who has, you know, all of the other parts of the stack that we may be uh, not missing, but not necessarily the world's experts at, at this point. Uh, also, yes, you're right. Uh, the fact, I really liked uh, Anti Vasara, who's the CEO of ETT. Uh He said, uh, when when asked with the question, you know, five qubits, you know, is that a big deal when other companies are talking about many more qubits? And he said, yes, you know, it's very important because the fact is that we were able to do it. And not only that, but we were able to do it with a much smaller, uh, smaller funding uh, budget. And that's also in the history of, of Finland. If you think about it, you, you you just look at the news in quantum computing. I mean, Xanadu just got a $100 million uh, round uh, in the last round. And you know you have companies with millions and millions uh, of euros or dollars in funding. And here we did it with a funding uh, by the government of 21 million euros. That's amazing. And that funding is not just for the five qubits that we have created, but uh, we have promised a 50 qubit computer by 2024. So that's our uh, next step goal. Uh, besides that, I do think that it's it's important to uh, note a couple of advantages that we have. There's a CSE, which is a center for supercomputers uh, in Finland, and they have the infrastructure and we're going to combine forces with them. So we're going to offer the best of both worlds. That is the classical uh, supercomputing uh, power with the quantum computing. That's a huge advantage. Uh Another thing uh, worth noting is, you know, in quantum computing, we have scalability is definitely a, a, one of the biggest issues uh, besides reducing error rate. And and so people all over the world are trying to, to figure out how to include hundreds of thousands of qubits. But because we have a pretty stable industry relying on that, we may be at the cutting edge of figuring out how to scale these processes.
0: You're in the and, game.
2: That's yes. the big thing. Very and, good. and we we
0: also like to tell our audience and and remind them, right? There is a lot of talk about five qubits, fifty qubits, five hundred, five thousand qubits, right? Yeah, it's 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 a big difference on whether they are circuit based ones or they are uh, quantum annealing based one. It's a big mm-hmm. difference on how Absolutely. stable they are what is the quality what is the, the 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 decoherence time and so forth right so it's it's way more than just the numbers right it's it's there're a lot of other things and it it made me wonder as i was listening to you right uh you were mentioned like like multiple times uh um uh, uh finland but but Pekka, I, I i'd like to ask you like do you do anything outside of finland It's just out of like Curiosity, right?
3: Uh. <laughs> no, we we definitely we as as I already mentioned, uh, Finland is a small country, so so uh, there is there is um, just not enough uh, users and industry for 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 just uh, keeping this inside Finland. So what we are definitely into, we are we are looking into the wider world, and of course, first of all, into into Europe, and there in in Europe, we are heavily involved in in collaboration especially in this uh, uh european quantum flagship initiative where we are we are uh, i would say that we are in a strong position because of our our fabrication facilities and, and expertise so we are participating in, in in projects and initiatives to build a european quantum computer uh and uh, then in exactly pilot manufacturing Capabilities development for for Europe, but then overall, I think that's that's uh, just a part of it, the the uh, research research side of it. So of course we want to work globally, and we are currently working globally with with uh, companies uh, to to provide this this fabrication facilities or services, and then then also. Uh, you know, critical component design for for quantum computers. Uh, Deborah already mentioned uh, Xanadu. That was uh, the other big uh, announcement on on Tuesday. What we made. I don't know if you noticed that we are collaborating with Xanadu on optical quantum computers. So indeed, we we definitely want to work on a global scale on this and and uh, bring the quantum computing, whatever the Platform type is optical, uh, superconducting, whatever. Where we can provide, you know, the the best technology that is available. Yes, definitely, we want to be there.
1: You guys are in a really good place because you're 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 government associated, but you're not purely academic. You get to do real things, and um, you also have the advantage of. You've seen a couple of other people go forward and do things, and now you've got to do it faster, better, cheaper. Yeah. Uh, that's a really great way to do it. When I've been in a room full of people, and half and one of them have run a marathon, it doesn't matter if the second one ran the marathon. I'm still impressed. So I'm yeah. still impressed that you guys <laughs> ran
3: this computer. Thanks for that. But, but you know, I, I have to admit that we didn't run the marathon uh, by ourselves. And, and I, I still, the marathon, most of it is still actually in front of us. We have just started but we we have uh, in Finland a great ecosystem of of uh, of, uh, of on 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 this quantum topics. So we have the universities, as I mentioned, the research background. We have VTT in the middle, but we have then great companies. So in addition to those freezing temperatures outside, we have naturally occurring blue force cryostats in Finland. <laughs> so that the blue force is, is a Finnish company, and and really, uh, I think they have been. One of the first, uh, you know, big successes in in Finland in in this quantum technology industry. And now, of course, IQM, and and we are heavily partnering with with both of them. And then uh, a rising ecosystem of smaller companies coming up to uh, join the the race. So uh, I want to, uh, you know, remind everybody that we didn't do this alone. And, and a lot uh, to we are important. very happy to work with the with the, uh, the uh, uh, companies and, uh, you know, the, you should give the glory to where it is
1: belongs. <laughs> well, there's plenty of glory to go around. Now, I know education <laughs> is going to be a big part of this. And mm-hmm. and from what I understand, Deborah, you're working on a video series that helps explain this. This is core work because without the people who even understand this stuff, the industry is not going to go anywhere. So you can tell us a little bit about what you're doing there.
2: Absolutely, uh, you know I arrived in Finland back in May with a program called the 90 Day Finn, and I started hearing about VTT, and I met with Auntie Vasara, and one of the first things I said to him is, I am terribly, terribly disappointed that in all my, all of my life doing science and especially working with you know, quantum computing theory, I never heard of VTT. It is such a great research center and, you know, what's happening. And I realized that this incredibly uh, cutting edge research center had a a bit of a communications problem because I think it it stems from the fact that uh, Finnish people are are quite modest. And and also, uh, you know, maybe uh, the focus was not necessarily put into explaining uh, things to the outside world, but the world is changing and I do think that we're only going to have adoption of this new technology if we stop seeing it as just a buzzword that means all these like obscure, incredible things that are going to just solve the world. And that's not the case. You know, uh, we we had uh, great expectations for AI, for example, and then we had a, a deep winter. And then, you know, people argue, are we going to have also a winter where nothing is is really achieved in quantum? And we don't know yet. We don't know how long this race is going to take. Is it 10, 15 years? Uh, you know, when are we going to really prove quantum advantage? So in the meantime, we are focusing on what we call uh, quantum foresight or quantum preparedness. We want end users like uh, banks, uh, pharma companies, Uh, you know, cryptography companies, everybody that's going to be affected or can improve their businesses when quantum computers are here to learn as best and as accurately as possible what quantum computers are and what they can actually do, not just what the media is saying they can do. And so, uh, you know, I uh, come from a background uh, where I educated myself in the science communication arena by uh, participating in Alan Alda's, uh, Patrick, maybe you know Alan Alda. He was, mm-hmm. th- he's, I don't know, reaching maybe 80 years old. And he was a very famous actor in MASH. Oh yeah, I know him very well. Okay, yeah. great. So uh, I don't know if you know, but he's a very passionate science communicator. He j- just received the that. medal for it. And he uh, said that he was very uh, disappointed with his professors when he was growing up because he asked asked them, what is a flame? just, you know, in a candle, like what's a fire flame? And the teacher answered oxidation. And he said, now I have two problems. Now I have to understand what a flame is and what oxidation is. And so he developed a famous (laughs) challenge called the challenge. What is a flame? And that was my first experience where we expert scientists, so-called experts, uh, developed videos (laughs) explaining what a flame is. And they were judged by 11 year olds. So this, you know, judging uh body of uh, uh, uh were 11 year olds and and I do think that research tells us that most people stay with an understanding of an 11 year old like my understanding of uh, you know if chemistry we're lucky. and biology. If we're lucky, right? <laughs> uh-huh. It's probably the one of an eleven year old. And so, if we want to reach sea level executives and under, and and teach them, hey, you know, you can accurately model viruses and drugs, or design new materials, or you know, protect your uh, NFTs and you know, you know, crypt- cryptocurrencies and all kinds of things, then we need to be able to explain it at the level of an eleven year old. Yes. Yes. And I realize that every video I have ever watched of quantum computing, that it in less than sixty seconds, it already introduces jargon, yeah. entanglement and interference, and I'm completely turned off. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't understand half of these things. Now imagine, you know, an eleven year old or or you know our your and the audiences, everybody's mom or grandmother. So you know, we can't leave it.
1: I have like, an example uh, of please. that that I hit this morning, and, and Cyprian will like this, and Pekka sure. will like this as well. Um, I was watching an MIT lecture on um, AI, machine yeah. learning, and the, I, I stopped it and paused it because I was like, oh my God, that's the best slide ever, because the the instructor mm-hmm. said that machine learning is different from regular programming in that in regular programming, you give the computer data mm-hmm. and the program, and it produces output. Yes. like here's the data it's 1 plus 1 the program is add them together and the output is 2 mm-hmm. in ml you, you give, give it output the data and the output and yep. it writes the program exactly okay. yeah. and i thought that was the most brilliant fastest easiest to understand way to understand machine learning mm-hmm. and i'm going to u- i'm going to steal that all day long yes yeah, but- so
2: i, I- <laughs> I'm with you. I think uh, people who come up with those kinds of analogies are geniuses because they really, you know, like Einstein, well, they quote him. We we don't really know if it was him, but they say that he said, if you uh, are not able to explain what you do in science to a five year old, uh, it means you don't understand it. Yeah. And quantum mechanics is such a complex topic that you know even physicists we don't understand it yet very well, and so being able to explain its intricacies in in as clear ways as possible is one of my goals. So I, I'm I'm doing this video series that hopefully your audience can can watch. Uh, we're on the same launching se- in February. Yeah. We're on no. the same
1: se- ta- 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 just let us know. So we're going to set up um, author pages on our site cool. for both of you. And um, when you get that link, send it to us, and we'll post it in, as an update. And I'm hoping we'll get to talk to you guys again. But we're not done with you yet. So I did want to ask Pekka, where do you get your information and news? Do you do you go and scour the internet, read you know technical, or do you listen to podcasts? You don't have to say you listen to podcasts. That's okay if you don't.
3: <laughs> oh I, yeah, I actually um, I have to say that. Typically, I don't have the time to listen to podcasts in uh, during the working hours. When you're and, shoveling uh, snow, no. and when, just, I, when I'm off podcast. hours, then I my podcasts typically are not about quantum technology. Oh, okay. Relax, <laughs> <laughs> An honest man. Yeah, but I do have podcasts there. <laughs> okay, good, so, good. Okay, but my information actually that's that's a pretty complex set of of uh, information, of course. Uh, a lot of information exchange happens uh, with your your partners and networks within within the research community. So uh, when you are <clears throat> talking about what what we should do together uh, the, towards which kind of a uh, research funding calls, you, you get a lot of information. What's happening inside? So the them.
1: papers you'll have okay. to read and yeah, in the articles and then, then there's of course
3: papers, but usually. Actually, you, you get already some hints before the papers come out. You know, paper publishing is, is takes time. Yes. You already beforehand know that they are working on such topics and then just, you know, the highlight results come in papers. Uh, and then, then of course, um, this is so, you know, quickly developing topic that then you are every once in a while. I wouldn't say that almost every week I'm surprised that there was, was something that, happening that i didn't have a clue about and it came out and, and then i read it from from uh, some news outlet in in uh in yeah. the in the webs just surfing the web as you said and, and yeah, uh, but that typically happens that typically happens i must say on, on other continents. so on a european uh, uh, frame I, i'm quite well i think covered in in the other other means well, and yeah. uh, of course of course, I'm not talking about myself. It's it's of course um, all the researchers at, at VTT are very well connected. So and then we change information in house as you do when you have a cup of coffee with your colleague. You you tell everything interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> one of the things that we constantly hear, right? Like uh, when I talk to people. And just by the way, as a side note, you folks totally scared me now. Uh, next week on Friday, I have. Uh, a full day workshop on quantum computing at a, a high-profile conference in the United States. So now uh, I, I think I need to run my content by my four years old wow. just to see whether it fits or not. <laughs> so we hear we hear a lot for folks like they tell us, you know, we feel like the story around quantum computing is pretty much like the story around commercial. Uh, um, nuclear fusion energy like right? it's always a decade away right <laughs> it's, it's it's been so for the past 50 years maybe and it's still mm. a decade away so yeah. i would like to address this question to 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 both of you like at this higher perspective like uh, what is your take and and i think you have this unique perspective of as 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 uh patrick mentioned running the marathon but uh, after some at least started the marathon so you have a a slightly different i think perception and view of the of the racetrack so to speak right and i would like to 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 ask you like like how do you see this Is, is is quantum computing uh kind of moving into the same direction like it will be forever a decade away uh we will be forever a decade away from, let's say, uh quantum computers that can solve practical problems. Or do you think we're on a like path, not to say that that nuclear fusion is gonna stay there forever, right? I, I just no, I don't want to be just feels mis- that way. Yeah, yeah, misunderstood, right? But what what is your feeling around how do you see the speed at which uh, hmm. things evolve in the general space? And I'd like to to start start with you, Deborah, and maybe. Also, with uh, uh, Becca, I would really like to hear your your stand as well.
2: Well, I think, if I may interject here, there's a saying, uh, the best way to predict the future is to create it. (laughs) So it's definitely hard to answer that question. Are we forever going to be imagining what could be possible? Uh, I think that I want to reframe that question because it doesn't really matter if you get to that but what matters is that on the way to get there you are already contributing so much in in the adjacent technologies that are being used for you know there's quantum computing but there's quantum measurement there is a you know,
1: quantum
2: communication. There are all all, all kinds of things, that, just like uh, CERN. Uh, you know, the the particle collider. Start the the web, the internet. The whole idea of the internet started there, and so you know we there's a ton of of a variety of things that are being born and sprouting out of the quantum computing research, that is super important. And you know, the alternative is is to not try. And I think that's uh, obviously the wrong path to take because the advantages and, and benefits that can come out of solving these problems, you know, like factorization and all that in in much faster ways and in drug discovery, and, and it can solve so many important problems for humanity that it's obviously worth trying. Now, you know, when are we going to get there and are Quantum computers are going to replace classical computers? That part I really don't think so. Uh, you know, I'm skeptical about that. But it's, it, I, I think we are we should enjoy the the ride while we are constantly discovering new things.
3: Pekka, yeah, I I, uh, I completely agree with you, uh, Deborah. That definitely we should enjoy the ride, and we are learning so much more by all, you know every step that we take along the road but i i am quite positive that uh, we will we will see uh, quantum advantage and quantum computers will will develop to to be uh, really advantageous in the future uh, they i don't think they they uh, replace classical computers because overall quantum computer is is not a, you know universal uh, universally advantageous towards classical com- computers. So there are the specific uh, areas where the quantum computer can be superior, and but it won't replace normal computer. Uh, uh, I can't constantly. see playing
1: Halo on a quantum computer. It just doesn't. Yeah, seem
3: no, not not yet. <laughs> at least we need a few, bit more qubit for that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, but then I I want to. Think about like seventy years or fifty years back when the, the computers, the classical computers, microprocessors started to develop. So, so there was the first integrated processors with maybe thousand transistors, and uh, you know nobody could imagine what what came out of that. And now you have have smartphones in your your uh, you know your your pocket with the Billions of transistors, <laughs> and and you can imagine what you can do with that compared to the first processors. So I'm quite positive that we we can we will see a similar kind of of uh, development over the decades on on quantum computers. Uh, but uh, when and where the kind of breakthrough applications come out of extremely. <laughs>
0: I if you want it, to be wrong, it, it try to say, so. <laughs> in
1: in
0: in other words, back then, nobody imagined that the transistor will end up fighting with quantum effects, right <laughs> yeah well <laughs> <No, exactly. no. laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Or that or that your thermostat would have a computer stronger than the one that sent the astronauts to the moon, you know it's just <laughs>
3: yeah indeed. It's, it's amazing yeah yeah
0: hopefully, hopefully, Patrick, the thermostat though, has better error management than that one. Uh yeah, well, within a degree maybe what 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 was that the twelve oh four error or a twelve oh two the the one that they encountered while landing on the moon as, as long as it's not an i d ten t error <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: so so we're starting to run out of time. It was really wonderful to talk to you guys. We're really privileged to have you know you guys and vtt trust us with this kind of announcement. um we hope to check in. With you guys on a on a fairly regular basis, maybe once a year, talk to us about what you're up to because you're in the game. You're you're am among the heavyweights now. It doesn't matter how many qubits you're you're playing, <laughs> and uh, we're really you know excited and proud to have you on the show. Is there any final things you'd like to say, or should we call it there?
2: Well, I want to just encourage uh, everyone to follow VTT. We're on Twitter, on Facebook, LinkedIn. We're in the news. Uh, just follow our group and what we're doing. And if you have any further questions, you know you can find both me and Pekka on on social media and, and just reach out to us. Excellent. Yeah,
3: thank and I would much. really like to thank you, Cyprian and uh, Patrick, for having having us here and uh, the Entangled Things uh, podcast. It has been a great chat. I enjoyed. Thanks. Agreed, very
0: much, and
1: absolute pleasure as well. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs>
2: thanks,
1: everybody. We'll see you next time.
2: Okay. Thank you.